Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, we're on vacation, but don't worry, we've got lots of great new interviews planned for you this week. Today, we finished our interview with Dave Wills, the radio voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, who talks about the magical 2008 season and the Rays' run to the World Series, as well as his thoughts about Joe Madden and some of his greatest calls from Dave's dugout at his home in Lutz. On this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, it's summertime. You know what that means. You're going to run the air conditioner all day, and that electric bill is going sky high. Well, if you want to do something about it and maybe save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar energy available. They don't use high voltage like many of the other solar companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They have a full showroom. You can see their products and they are open weekdays. Now, May Electric Solar has been around 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. There's many other solar companies that are imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract with any other company in any way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. And if you do that right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. Then there came a time, of course, uh, when the Rays were looking for a broadcast team and they did it in a sort of an unconventional way. I mean, there was, you didn't know Andy Freed mm-hmm. and he didn't know you. And yet he's been your Sort of obviously your partner uh, since 2005. I can't think really of a better uh, group of, uh, of play-by-play guys. But how did that come about? And what was your initial like thought about they're going to pair me with somebody and I've really never met this guy? What is, how is this going to work? Well, my initial thought was I'm not even sure I want the job, honestly. It was uh, in December of 2004, and I think we were in the midst of a two-game road trip to UNC Wilmington and Duke for UIC basketball. And uh, I remember walking through the downtown, I think it was the downtown of, uh, of Wilmington, and I get a phone call from my old program director, Mitch Rosen, who says, uh, would you be interested in applying for the Tampa Bay Delaware's job? And I said, you know what, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I was doing Chicago White Sox baseball, UIC basketball, Notre Dame, uh, you know, sports. I was also doing like a, a TV sports show for which is kind of sort of similar to what they do with Bay News 9 here in, mm-hmm. in, in Bay News Sports. Um, so I had, you know, five gigs, <laughs> five gigs and, you know, making a decent living and, uh, and on top home. of it. And yeah. I was living in my hometown. Uh, my wife was from Chicago. You know, that's the only home our son and daughter knew. You know, both my parents were there. Her mom was there. All our families were there. So I, I literally sat on it for about a week. And he called me on like a Saturday or Sunday, and I waited until – um, the next week, and even that time, I just kind of sat on it even a little bit longer because I thought we had just bought a new house. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had just bought a house that was 
two blocks from her one sister, three blocks from another sister, a mile from her mom. I get along, you know, for all the mother-in-law jokes come out, I loved my mother-in-laws. My brother-in-law said if there were mother-in-laws like my mother-in-law, there wouldn't be mother-in-law jokes. So she is, she's that good. And uh, God rest her soul. And um, But it, we, 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 you know, went to the house and went it down to the studs and rebuilt it to my wife's liking, which is happy wife, happy life. And yeah. everything was going well. And then the double Time, race. Timing called. was not right for you. So I, I, I finally, on a Sunday afternoon, dropped the tape, uh, the CD off. And... You know, I really wasn't expecting anything, and um, you know, I, I'd come very, very close to the Kansas City Royals job in 1998, I think it was, and they, I went out there for an interview, and they drove me around, and by the time I got done, the guy was saying, as I'm going back to the airport, this is probably where you're going to want to live, this is where your kid will go to school, this is this, and you're thinking, oh, this is pretty good, and then I got a call back like a week or 10 days later saying, well, you got the silver medal. Mm -hmm. I said, well, can I get the silver medal, at least show people <laughs> that I came that close? Yeah, right. Um, so then, you know, the Cougar job, or the, uh, you know, the, the Rays job opens up, and so I finally sent it in. And the story I heard was that uh, Rick Vaughn, then the, the uh, VP of PR, had just whittled down close to 300 people to the final 10. Wow. And then Mike Yotis came walking in to uh, that conference room and said, hey, I think this might be for you. And out of the goodness of his heart, Rick Vaughn's like, well, you know what? He sent it in. When I'm cleaning up, I'll just listen to him. And he said he put it in. And next thing you know, he says he made a few more calls. He goes, I think we got number 11 of our final 10. Wow. And I got a call on December 23rd. My daughter, Michelle, at the time was seven or eight years old. And she, you know, picked up the voicemail. She said, Dad, um, Sylvia Bynes of the Tampa Bay or Tampa Ray Devil Bays uh, <laughs> called it. Close said, enough. You know, uh, she'd like to talk to you. And I'm like, don't tell your mother. Because I hadn't even told my wife that I applied. And I said, don't tell your mother, please. So I called up and they said, can you send us another tape with some recommendations, this and this and this. And I did. And then um, it was a couple weeks after New Year's and I got a phone call again from Rick Vaughn who said, uh, you know, it comes up on the house phone out of area back in the day. This is 15 right, years ago. Right. And so it comes up on the house phone out of area, and my wife is like, you don't have to answer it, it's out of area. And I'm down in the basement of my office going, <laughs> I pick it up real quick, hello. And it was Rick, and he says, I'd like to, we'd like to fly you out for an interview. So I get off the phone, oh boy. and I had already kind of told her that, you know, I was up for a gig, but I hadn't heard anything. I get off the phone, I come upstairs, and I said, uh, looks like I'm going to Florida on uh, the 17th or 18th of January. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, they want to interview for the job. So I, the, the thing that I remember most about the interview was I was in Tucson, Arizona for the first part of the week because I was playing in the White Sox fantasy camp. And I uh, got home on a Thursday afternoon, did a game for UIC at Thursday night. Then I started wanting to print up a few notes to bring with me to Florida on Friday morning, and my printer didn't work. So I get up Friday morning, drive to Midway Airport, and it's starting to snow. And I get to the interview in, in Tampa, and Rick Vaughn picks me up at the airport, and I'm in this suit and tie, and it's 75 degrees and sunny. I'm like, not so bad. And I can get used to this. <laughs> did the interview, did the interview, actually did practice play-by-play -play with Darnell Coles. Oh, yeah. Because to, to, at the time, we thought maybe he would be the color uh, analyst. Yeah. And uh, I thought it all went pretty well. But honestly, when I left, I said, you know, I think the Kansas City interview went better. Mm. And so they said, well, we'll get back to you within a week. So I sit down at the airport, get dropped off. I'm sitting at the airport, and all of a sudden I'm looking through the St. Petersburg Times, and I see a story about the potential radio guys for the 
for the gig. And I read, you know, this guy, that guy, Todd Callis, Andy Freed, Russ Langer. And I'm going through it, and I, there's no Dave Willis. There's not even a Dave Willis. <laughs> I mean, come on, what's going, you know. So then I start thinking, well, maybe I just got a courtesy interview because I knew this guy. Or, you know, Kevin White, the AD at Notre Dame, was very close with Vince Namoli as well. So, I'm, you know, I'm wondering, maybe I just got a courtesy interview. Mm-hmm. And so a week goes by, and, you know, the Internet wasn't quite the Internet yet in 2005. You know, so you're checking news stories. You're checking to see if anything's been happening. And I'm wait, checking the mail. And nothing's coming. And I remember on Monday, um, February, or Mar- maybe it was January 31st, I got um, a packet in the mail from the White Sox. And I did the voiceover for their highlight uh, video. Mm-hmm. I remember listening back to that. And at the time, I was okay because my wife was starting to get a little frustrated by not hearing anything. And I'm like, Liz, even if I don't get the job, we're not going to a soup kitchen. I still have the White Sox job. I still have the Notre Dame job. I still have the UIC job. We're good. Don't worry. And... Uh, I, I remember getting that, that tape, and, then I, you know, nothing against Ken Harrelson or John Rooney or anything or Ed Farmer or those guys, but I'm hearing them do their play-by-play highlights as I'm narrating the video, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just as good as those guys. I know I'm just as good as those guys. And so the next day, the phone rings. I'm, I'm vacuuming the family room and the bar, area in that, the bar area in that house, and all of a sudden the phone rings. It comes up out of area. And so I picked the phone up. Liz was at work. And it's uh, Dave Walker, who was the senior VP at the time. And he mm-hmm. says, uh, hey, Dave, this is Dave Walker of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Do you have a couple minutes? And so I thought to myself, not that it happened a lot when I was applying for colleges, but when you got the envelope back that was kind of full, that had, you know, you thought they, they admitted you because it's financial aid, it's about admissions. When you got the thin envelope, you knew you weren't getting in. Well, I figured if he wants to talk, he ain't telling me I didn't get hired. Right. So he says, we'd like to hire you as our next voice of uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And. We'd like to do this, this, and this. And I said, all right, can I, I'll get back to you by the end of the afternoon, but I want to make sure my wife is good with it. So hung up with him, drove down to Comiskey Park. There's a sports store that I became really good friends with the owners. Um, they actually found out first because I went in there and I said, do you have a double raised hat, a double raised jacket? And they did. So I said, well, sorry, I'm leaving. And they were kind of mad. <laughs> I said, I'll keep you posted. And I drove to Liz's work and she was just getting ready for the lunch break. And uh, I walk in with my double with that hat stuff. and the double raised jacket on. And <laughs> it's great. My brother-in-law is not a real big sports guy. Uh, he's more of a computer guy. But uh, my, my, So Liz looks at me and she goes, you're being a little presumptuous, don't you think? And I said, no, no I'm not. And she was just kind of didn't know what to do. My brother-in-law looks at me and goes, you got the gig, didn't you? And I said, I did. And then wow. she started bawling. She started crying. And step, step back to the day after I got back from the interview, I had to drive to Green Bay, Wisconsin in a whiteout. And I was thinking to myself, man, if I had a job in Tampa Bay, I wouldn't have to worry about this ever again. So I'm thinking, so now, you know, I, you know, at first Liz didn't want to move. She loved her house. She loved the area. And she was thinking, could you, you know, could you work there in the summer and then come home in the winter? And I said, you know what? I've done the reverse commute my entire life. That would be the dumbest reverse <laughs> commute in the world to work in Florida right. in the summertime and come back to colder. Chicago for the winter. Are you yeah. nuts? Yeah. And so it, it took a little while. We, you know, got I got the gig. She had to leave work that day because she couldn't stop crying. She realized she had to move. And um, but you know, I bought this house without her seeing it because it was at the middle of the pretty good job here. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was one of those things where. You know, I was. I think I looked at forty some houses before I finally found one because it's tough to find a house and look at a house while you're working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, you know, I was worried about the schools for my daughter, and you know, we set up in a perfect spot here with the schools yeah. in this area of Hillsborough County. And then uh, mm-hmm. she fell in love with the area, and 
um, the rest is history. It's just, and then working with Andy has been, I mean, it was one of those things where I had never heard of Andy. Um, he said he knew about me. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, about the A-ball guy that moved up to the big leagues kind of thing. And um, we went to dinner after our first uh, fan fest. We went to uh, Moon Underwater and, you know, just kind of got to know each other a little more. And then by the time we're doing our first game and um, one of the guys who we worked with at the time said, oh, they want you to tape uh, the game to see how you sound together. <laughs> I looked at Andy, I go, well, what are they going to do? Fire us if we don't sound good <laughs> together? I mean, job. are you kidding me? Yeah. So we ended up doing like an inning and a half. And by the time the inning and a half was over, we looked at each other and we go, well, this is nuts. Look at this. And we sent the inning and a half in and it's worked out pretty well for about 15 years. I would say it has. And, and uh, obviously you guys are different people all together, but sound uh, so great and your passion for the game comes through. When did you decide? I mean, you guys share. You actually share the play-by-play. Mm-hmm. Did you switch off? Always have. Um, how'd that come about? That was more Andy because I grew up, you know, in Chicago where there was always more so of a legit play-by-play guy with a former player in the booth. Right. I mean, you know, right. Harry had Jimmy Parasol. Mm-hmm. Jack Brickhouse had his guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I wasn't really. You know, we were all trying to figure out how to do it. And then Andy said, "Hey, this is the way that uh, you know Chuck Thompson and his uh, group did it." And you know thought about it for a little not even a millisecond I thought you know it's Dave and Andy it's not Dave you know it's yeah. not Dave and Andy or it's not Andy and Dave it's Dave and Andy and yeah. although I do tease him because I think I got the phone call at like 11 a.m. Eastern he said he didn't get his till like four in the afternoon first, right? so I'm the older twin I've been around for a little while longer but <laughs> uh, right. um, you know so it, it just worked out perfectly and uh, you know it, it again I, I, I've always said that it couldn't have happened it couldn't have worked out any better for us because I see what happens with some young guys who are working with guys who have been there forever, yeah. and they sometimes they're afraid to really let their personality show because they're afraid they're going to show up a been there done that guy. Andy and I have no problems. You know, we're going to both be who we are and have fun, and um, we always joke that we've never done a perfect broadcast. There's no such thing as a perfect broadcast, but you know, here we are sitting around a bar talking, and you know, does anybody, by the way, you guys need another Bud Light? Anybody I'm good. I'm right. good so far. Um, I'm but, working on number right, two. I want to make sure, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where people feel like they're they're listening to two guys who are sitting at the bar. Or yeah. I think one of the best uh, uh, comparisons was some guy said, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie MASH and the show MASH. And it almost sounds like you two guys are performing surgery and yet you're still having that kind of conversation with one another. And keeping things light and, you know, having some fun with it. And I thought... And still calling the game. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very... And that's what we try to do. Very seamless uh, in that respect. When you went to the then Devil Rays... They weren't very good, Dave. <laughs> no, my timing was a little off, um, to say the least. <laughs> a little bit. I, uh, I I leave the Chicago White Sox um, in 2005. I come here to the Devil Rays, and uh, yeah, they were not very, very good. They couldn't have been, you know, it's a summer, it's a spring of transition. Get here, trying to get to know people, and then unfortunately, like I think at that time, um, it might have been Lou's father or mother was not doing very, very well, Lou Pinella. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't with us in spring training a lot. Um, there were some players that... Uh, you know, we're, I'm watching Roberto Alomar play second base. I'm like, we had him three years ago, and he should have retired then. <laughs> sure enough, he retired, you know, a week into spring training. Um, we had a lot of bizarre things going on that year. And I remember we were playing the White Sox, so I got a lot of friends down from Chicago. And uh, uh, we, we, we ended up losing the series. And I remember walking onto the bus, and Chuck Hernandez, the pitching coach, who just happens to be the uncle of people who live across the street from me, um, Chuck stops me halfway through the uh, bus, and he says, hey, I, I listened to you today. He goes, you, you guys, you're good. You're really good. And I'm thinking, how how was he listening to me? I mean, he's on the he's in the dugout. How was he listening to me? Turns out, 
that was the Duran Dewan Brazelton game where he got you know didn't last very long against the White Sox. Went to his car, sat there in uniform for a couple of innings because he was ready to quit the game. So Chuck Hernandez had to go out to the car to try and talk him into coming back. So that's how Chuck stayed in touch with the game because he heard us on the speakers outside of Tropicana Field. And that's how we heard the game. And then Rob Bell's warming up and he's taking out our first baseman. And I'm thinking, and here the White Sox are in first place and uh, quite possibly on their way to the World Series. And I think the only time I've ever had a little bit of homesickness was um, like sometime in that, a little bit after that, May or early June. Uh, Liz and Michelle hadn't moved down yet. And the White Sox and Cubs were playing, and I knew how amped up I used to get during those games. And I get a phone call from a bunch of friends and Liz saying, hey, we're here. It's a great game, and uh, we're having a blast. Wish you were here. And I'm in Miami watching the Rays and the Marlins, or the double Rays and the Marlins. It was The energy level was a little different. And I was thinking, boy, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. But that was like the only moment of uh, like a little kind of upset, homesick that I had. But it, it went away pretty quick. Again, I realized, hey, I'm doing what I wanted to do. I'm in a, I'm in the big leagues. I'm one of the play-by-play announcers of a big league team. There's you know only so many of these jobs in the world, and I've got one. And you know, it kind of carried over. I was watching the White Sox from afar, and then we get to Cleveland the last week of the season, and the Indians are have closed the gap to like a half a game on the White Sox. And as I kept on looking back at it, I'm thinking probably a good thing I got the double race job because I probably would have uh, either died or been in jail because there, there's a shot that I would have had a heart attack watching the lead dissipate. That Cup fans would have been calling my post game show, giving me you know crap about it, and I might have had to go out and beat a Cup fan. So it probably was a good thing that I had the double ray job at the time. And we're in Cleveland, we're getting ready to play the Indians, and the White Sox are coming in after us. And I remember Lou Pinella stopping me the last Monday night, the last off night of the season, and he looked at me and he goes, "Your boys are going to spit the bet." And I said, "My boys?" I said, "They're not my boys anymore. These are my boys. I'm a double ray." He goes, ah, "I'm just joking. You know what we're going to do?" We're going to take two out of three. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Bring and help them out. So sure enough... We end up taking two out of three. Seth McClung did what he did. Scott Kazmer shut him down. We take two out of three, and the White Sox end up winning the Central Division and going to win the World Series. So it was uh, went to a couple games. Uh, had a, had a nice time, and then uh, my buddy Bill Melton gave us tickets for the entire playoffs. So I went to the first two games uh, against the Red Sox, and it was always good to see the Red Sox lose, no matter who they were playing. Happy about that. And then uh, my wife went to uh, I think Hurricane. Was it Wilma or something was coming through here toward the end of 05? I'm not 100% sure which one it was. Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking at her and saying, you know what, you might want to get out of here a couple of days early. Because I had given her the choice. I said, I'll either go to games six and seven of the ALCS and watch them maybe celebrate, or you can go to games one or two of the World Series. And she says, I'd rather go to a World Series game. So I gave her the tickets to the World Series game. And uh, White Sox didn't play game six or seven against the Angels. So here I am at the uh, Luch Chiefs homecoming party <laughs> where my daughter's running around with a bunch of cheerleaders and she says, here, hold my purse. And I'm holding her purse while I'm watching at the clubhouse here at Heritage Harbor, watching Josh Groban sing the national anthem thinking, 
What's wrong with this picture? Man, My wife's at the game. Yeah. I'm holding a purse <laughs> at a cheerleading homecoming. But, you know, hey, happy wife, happy life. Good dad, so, yeah, and a good and a good dad, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It changed pretty quickly, uh, I, I was so it seemed, after mm-hmm. Joe Madden got here. And before long, there was, you could see at the end of 07, this team starting to come along. But then came the magical year of 08. Have you ever seen anything like it in baseball? Never. I mean, obviously from afar, you know, I think the Braves or the Twins did something like that back in the late 80s, early 90s. But, uh, you know, we, we didn't, we saw a little, you know, Something maybe kind of bubbling for this team. I mean, you know, I didn't know Joe Madden very well. He comes in in 06, lose close to 100 games, or lose 100 games. Yeah. Same thing in 07, and I'm thinking, well, nice pick on our part. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I, and I started to get to, you know, we obviously got to know Joe, but you're starting to wonder, all right, you know, what's going on? He didn't and, have the resume that and, uh, was like Penella had. No. 08, 08 comes, and, and I just remember that, uh, you know, we made some moves. We traded Delman. Uh, we changed the name. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at, uh, at a, uh, a luncheon, the Sarasota Manatee uh, County Luncheon, and I was doing it with uh, Trevor Miller, and uh, I can't remember who the other guy was. And Sports Illustrated had just come out with their article that said that the Rays might win 87, 88 games. Mm-hmm. And I just remember talking with Trevor about it, and, you know, and Trevor said, you know what these guys have to start to learn to do? And when the bully punches them, they got to punch the bully back. And when the bully punch, if the bully gets up, we got to punch the bully again. And I just remember those words like it was yesterday. And and I get up to the stage and I remember reading, you know, telling everybody there's two or three hundred people there. And I said, "No, Sports Illustrated just said we're going to win like 87 games and come close." I said, "Well, then why don't we just win 97 games and get to the playoffs?" And everybody kind of just got all giddy and. Um, Trevor got up there and gave his speech and, you know, I was kind of pumped up about it and we're thinking, all right, and then spring training comes and we had the little dust up with, uh, you know, Elliot Johnson running into Francisco Cervelli and then, uh, you know, uh, Shelly Duncan running into Aki and then Johnny Gomes comes in and does what he did. Yeah. And then, you know, the season starts and we're kind of plodding through the season first part of the year and nothing's, you know, we're just doing okay. Nothing to show in the first like two or three weeks that we were going to be a legit contender. And then we go to Disney and win three straight at Disney and kind of took off. And then, uh, you know, a couple guys start kicking in. We bring in, you know, bring Grant Belfort back. Uh, we added Gabe Gross and, and you know, and then this uh, guy, Dan Johnson. Oh, yeah. People Magical Dan Johnson. Yeah. And uh, it was, we're playing the White Sox over Memorial Day weekend in 08. And on a Friday night, you know, it's a 1-1 game. And uh, Cliff Lloyd comes up. And here's a Chicago kid that I had heard about a lot growing up. And found, you know, Cliff was just a tremendous individual. And he hits the walk-off home run to right center field. And, I mean, I, you know, it sounds kind of egotistical. You still get goosebumps when you hear one of your calls. But uh, it's just was one of my favorite moments of all time. And then it was Gabe Gross, I think, then walked off on Sunday. And it was after that weekend where you thought, this might be something magical here. You start beating the Red Sox. You start beating the Yankees a little more. And, uh, you know, I know we had a little bump in the road there, losing seven straight right before the All-Star break. But, uh Came right back after the All Star break and, and off. got in a roll. It was just, it was just magical. And I go saying in the broadcast today. I mean, there were bumps in the road in '08. We just forget about it because all we see is the ring on our finger and the banner hanging in left center field. But yeah. you know, this year's team, you know, we're going to deal with some bumps too. But we're still a pretty darn good baseball team we're at right now. But uh, you know, and no year is exactly alike either. But you know, you start seeing things happening. And you start going, this team ain't finishing in second place. And you know, to be able to. Uh, I remember going to the game on that uh, Saturday afternoon. We we're on the verge of clinching the playoff spot, and I remember driving up toward uh, the parking lot, and I just see people out there already 
uh, you know, tailgating and having fun. And there was no pressure because if we didn't win that day, well, then we'll win the next day. You know, so we, we knew we were going to the playoffs. But to be able to win it on that Saturday and then being down in the clubhouse and being part of the celebration and was able to bring my daughter Michelle down there with some friends and uh, just a magical time. I just remember how bad everybody felt on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do too well the next day, but then going to Detroit and winning it. And then, uh, ironically, the first team we have to play in the postseason is the White Sox. The Chicago White Sox. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they they were doing, they were a good team. They, they won game 163 to get to the postseason. Mm-hmm. So they had a little momentum, but... Uh, and then we lose Carlos Pena in the first game because he gets scratched in the eye by his little girl. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. This is not going to go out too well. But because of them having to play 163 and doing what they did, our pitching lined up a little better. And we ended up beating them in Chicago in game four. And I just remember after calling the final, you know, Andy called the final out, went down for part of the celebration. I just I grabbed a bottle of Bud Light and I walked out to the dugout. And there was nobody else out there. And I just sat on the railing of the dugout. And I'm like, we're going to the American League Championship <laughs> Series. This is incredible. And, and it, we did it in the park in the city where I grew up. It was pretty, it was pretty so amazing, surreal. Uh, you probably would have jumped as high as you did when you got the White Sox job, I imagine. Um, what, so what was the final out like to send this team to the World Series? Well, you know, it was, it, 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 I might have made the cardinal sin because, you know, in game five, we're up three games to one. It's That's seven right. to nothing in the seventh inning. That's right. Andy's got the seventh and eighth inning, and so I get up to go to the bathroom, and I'm in the bathroom, and I'm going – all right, so we win. How am I going to say we're going to the World Series? What am I going to say? Hey, who said this and who said that? So, and in my mind, I'm starting to kind of conjure up some ideas of what I was going to say. Yeah. And so, uh, all of a sudden, I'm wrapping up in the bathroom, and I all of a sudden I hear the crowd going nuts. And I'm like, what the? And I miss David Ortiz's homer. So now I come back out, and, you know, it's now seven to three, it's seven to five. And, and by the time it was all over and we lost, I don't think I've ever been almost physically ill in a game I broadcast, but that was as close as it came. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, knowing the Red Sox history, knowing that we don't have any history, uh, you know, there's, I can't say that I wasn't nervous that we might have just uh, blown our chance. And so here we are walking out of Fenway Park, and Andy's all despondent because, you know, Andy's a history guy. He, he pays attention to all this stuff. And he says, uh, as we're walking out, he goes, I think we just blew our chance at the World Series. And I said, you know what? I'm trying to calm him down. I'm the older brother or whatever. I'm trying to, you know. I said, you know what? I, I don't think so. I don't think th- this story is not supposed to end this way. This this is not the way that this story is going to end. So we come home, get ready for game six, and it, it doesn't go too well. We lose game six. So now I come home, and I remember waking up uh, on the morning of game seven. I come downstairs to have a little breakfast, and my wife, Liz, is you know, is a huge, huge baseball fan. And she was having watch parties at the house and having people over. And I remember walking in and she goes, I can't believe they're making us do a game seven. And I said, Liz, this is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, this is game seven. This is do or die. And I'm trying to, you know, calm myself down probably at the same time. So sure enough, we get to the ballpark and Andy's a nervous wreck. So I'm trying to calm him down. So I actually, I actually take a piece from the movie Miracle where Kurt Russell gives the speech to the players right before the rushing game. Yeah, and I said, listen, listen to this. And I got him into a better mood. And then we go down and talk to Joe. And then Joe gets us into a better mood because Joe's like, you know what? No matter what happens tonight, we've already made the lives of our corporate sales guys better, our ticket guys better, and a lot of people around here better. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And he says, and I, I envision myself on the third baseline at Citizen Park, you know, blah, 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 in the next round. I said, well, actually, Joe, I said, we open up at home. And he goes, oh, I know that. But I env- I'm envisioning my, I've already lined up at home. 
I'm envisioning myself lining up in Citizens Bay Park. So we leave, they're all pumped up. We're all like, all right, we got this, we're good. Matt Garza's on the mound, you know, you're a little nervous with Garza. And then he gives up a home run right away to Pedroia, and I'm like, we're dead. <laughs> no, like, hit the mic, we have no shot. But obviously come back, well, the Ibar gets a couple of big hits, a couple of big plays. Rocco has uh, some great moments. And then you get to the final inning, and, uh, you know, man at first, Price makes the pitch. Now the 0-1, the Lowry on its way. Swing it around ball to second, this should do it. Hockey has it, takes it to second himself. This improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. Rays beat the Red Sox 3-1. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. Kind of all came together, and it's one of those moments that, you know, only happens once. You hope it happens a few times, but there's only the first time. And I think Tampa um, Bay fans remember that call as, as much as any uh, from that season, if not in, in the franchise's history. I know you mentioned the Cliff Floyd home run for you, mm-hmm. but for the people that, that followed the Rays, that's the one they remember. Uh, it, you know, it just was such – and I, you know, I, I still to this day will love going, going back to YouTube and looking at the fan reaction. I, mean, I go back and watch the TBS coverage, and you see fans going from Section 130 – across the section 132 to hug the people that are 10 feet away from him and, uh, you know, behind him and high-fiving and, you know, seeing the players come in and, and doing what they do. Joe Madden and, you know, the coaching staff getting all together. And, um, one of my favorite things to do still is to go back and, and see the reaction from Raymond James Stadium. I think that was the day that they were retiring. I was there, yeah. Was, like all stats uniform. I was and, covering uh, the game. It was the most bizarre mm-hmm. from my perspective. Um, it was a Sunday night game, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, they were they were retiring uh, All Stars number, and they were playing the Seattle Seahawks, I believe. And the weirdest thing was that Raymond James was at that time, even though there was a big game happening across the bay, they could only sell so many tickets. Yep. That was the tough ticket. But Raymond James used to be sold out. Yep. And what was bizarre was when something would happen in the baseball game, it made no sense watching the football game. It had been this enormous <laughs> cheering. You know, mm-hmm. or, or groaning or whatever was happening in, in the baseball game. And so, but the last out, the, the, the Bucks win the game. We go to the, to the locker room and no players will talk to us because they're in the bottom of the ninth. And David Price is on the mound. Mm-hmm. So we're all sitting there on deadline, the whole deal. And no one wants to talk because we're all just focused on the game. And then when that final out is made... Even those guys were huge Rays fans, yeah. and they knew a lot of the players, and they went crazy. It and, was really a scene. You know, one of the videos that's on YouTube is of the stadium club where all the fans are just watching it on the big screen, and yeah. you see napkins fly in the air, and they're all high-fiving and screaming. And it was great. Like I said, I still get like you know get a little teary-eyed and goosebumps when I yeah. look back at that video too. So it was just a just a magical moment. There's no doubt about it, and uh, you know one that you know again you never forget your first. There's something yeah. special. Ray Fossey was just. Uh, in town with the Oakland A's. He's been there for, you know, ever as a player and now as a broadcaster. And he wears the World Series ring from, uh, I think it's, what did he say, 73, I think it is. And he said, we're like, well, why do you wear that one and not one of the other ones? He goes, because it's the first one. It's the first one. Never forget it. And you don't. I don't think any Tampa Bay Rays fans. Let me ask you about some of the things. Like, you have some signature calls that I know it's Dave Wills when I hear it. A strikeout. Mm -hmm. He struck him out. You know what? I, I don't know how. I think uh, you know. I've always been one for the big moment. You know, that's why I've always enjoyed guys like you know Pat Foley and you know making uh, big moments. So I, I think part of it was uh, you know a couple, it happened a few times, and then actually Patty Cox, who used to be uh, at the, on the staff at the Times, yeah. would text me and go, "I love that call. I love that call." And the people and then 
I'd get some people saying, you know, that's you know, my, my little son would say, you know, the same thing. And so, you know, I went from doing it like once every five or six games and only like huge moments to now maybe once or twice a game. Yeah. And, it, you know, like you said, it's become a little more of a signature call. And not, again, I don't know, you know, where I got it, but, uh, you know, it, it's one. Of, and now it's on a couple of people's voicemails. Yeah. Uh, from when they're not there. I got some guys from the uh, baseball operations who say, can you just say, he struck him out and you know leave a message after the beep you know you know so uh, or swinging a miss what they want is swinging a miss he leave a message after the beep you know, yeah. so that kind of thing there's that one and then and then everybody uh, we always listen to the home run calls uh, when when you're listening to baseball and for you it's um, I, I I mean we all know what it is but uh, you know it's gone I mean mm-hmm. that's that's the thing right is it's gone you know I I also try to you know. Hot TV, you, can, you know, there's certain guys like John Sterling and a lot of guys on TV you can have like a signature call yeah. that you stick with because, you know, you see it. and Everyone just can kind see of, yeah. where the ball is. Whereas, right? you know, most of the time I do say it's gone, but I'll try to differentiate no, You'll give us an bit. idea, like back yeah. to the wall, yeah. to the, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, gone is probably, both Andy and I have a tendency to do gone maybe a little bit more. But if, especially if there's an inning where there's like two or three homers, I don't want to describe them all the same way because right. again it's radio, so right? Right, right. We'll break it up a little differently, but yeah, yeah, it's gone. And you know, I remember, you know, again, just doing the the Cliff Floyd home run call. It was like, you know, get out of here. Yeah, thinking, yeah. Boy, it sounded a little bit like Johnny Fanboy there for a little bit, but I was. <laughs> but that's what everybody wanted to beat. I wanted to beat the White and Sox. And everybody wants to know on the yeah. other side of that radio, like yeah. what? You know, they're thinking the same mm-hmm. thing. They're screaming at the radio, yeah. "Get out of here!" And that's what I've always, you know, I've heard some friends who said they're driving behind somebody and. They're listening to the game, and I'm getting ready to call a homer, and they can see the guy in the, in the car in front of them, and they see just as I'm saying home run, you see the guy kind of pump his fist. And they're like, I know he's listening to the game too. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I want people to, you know, and Andy is the same way. We want people to, who are listening on the radio almost feel like they're there at the game. Yeah. You know, so they can hear the sounds. They can hear the crack of the bat. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's – I think it's part of the, the, the broadcast that, you know, some guys like to have no ambiance on because they want to just hear themselves. But – I think a big part of baseball on the radio is all that ambiance sound, being able to hear the crack of the bat, being able to hear the the, you the know, vendors the, in the, the stands, vendor, or, you know, selling selling Coca Cola and selling hot dogs or doing whatever they're doing yeah. to make the person who is sitting in their backyard by on the lanai uh, feel like they're actually at the game. And I think people also after the game like to listen back on those big key moments of those calls too. Like you mentioned doing that. Mm-hmm. When you were growing up, and uh, you know, I, I, and, and again, I mean, you know, Steve's one of our uh, engineers. I, you know, I just those are big moments of a game, and and mm-hmm. you know, it, we're we're trying to still build a brand. We're still trying to mm-hmm. get more people to come out to the ballpark, obviously, and sure, we're trying to make it. You know, maybe that's our problem. People are watching, <laughs> people are listening, and they're just not coming out to drop <laughs> again right. field as much as uh, we'd like them to. Yeah, it's going to be a great summer, and hopefully, a really good fall. And we'll be that's listening, the plan. To, listening to Dave Wills every step of the way. Well, Dave, I love this. I'm going to enjoy more of Dave's dugout, and maybe have another beer. Sounds good. It. Bar's open. Our thanks to Dave Wells, man. Really enjoyed the conversation we had with him, uh, and and also for the hospitality he showed us at Dave's dugout. Truly, a truly an honor to do that with him. Uh, meanwhile, the Rays they begin a series in Oakland tonight, and tomorrow we start my interview with Bucks quarterback coach Clyde Christensen. We're going to talk about his first stint in Tampa Bay as a member of Tony Dungy's staff that went from what six and ten to within four minutes of beating the Rams in the NFC Championship game back in 1999. What he learned at Indianapolis coaching Peyton Manning and his role now in developing Jameis Winston. And folks, remember now, it's summertime. I know the electric bill is going up. If you want to start saving 90 to 95% off your electric bill, 
call our friends at May Electric Solar. They're the locally owned company. They do a tremendous job. And if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. So call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.